Uh, as the plates are being received, I'm going to uh, introduce our speaker for this morning, uh, Brian Weber, who has spoken here several times already, so you guys might be familiar with his face as you see it in just a minute. Um, he's been a, a, become a very good friend of mine and a mentor of mine. Um, he is actually an integral part of the planting and the launching of Restoration Church as well, if you guys are familiar with our history just a little bit. Um, he went to such great lengths to, to help us get Restoration Church off the ground and up and running four years ago. Um, and so I'm very much indebted to him for his knowledge and his friendship of, in regards to church planning and leadership here. Um, he works for Compassion International uh, as a liaison between churches and um, then uh, sponsoring children and then also meeting the needs of, of children in third world countries as well. Uh, we are going to Bolivia this summer again through Compassion and Brian was an integral part of helping us uh, with that uh, service trip. So we're super excited about that, and I'm very excited that Brian is here to share the word with us this morning. So would you please welcome Brian Weber. Now stay here, because someone told me it was your birthday tomorrow, right? And we thought maybe that we should express our love for Ross by singing happy birthday real quick. How's that sound, right there? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ross. Happy birthday to you, yes. <laughs> but that was dangerous to me because I was mic'd during that time, and I do not often sing on a mic, that's for sure. Um, it, if I sound a little nasally, excuse me, I have a, a cold that I'm fighting, and if I don't shake your hand later, that's why. I, don't, I like to share, but this is not something that I want to share. Um, let's pray real quick and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for um, the work that you do in our hearts and our life, and you promise that you would enlighten us to what um, the Bible means every time that we open it. And so as we open it today, we just ask, Lord, as we come from different places and different things that are going on in each of our lives today, um, that you would teach us something that helps us to become better. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, open to John 17. That'll be our text, John chapter 17. Uh, the Winter Olympics uh, started this weekend. Um, I love the Olympics. How many of you watched the uh, opening ceremonies? A few of you? Yeah, I just think it's so cool. My wife and I would love to see these athletes come together from around the world um, to celebrate um, together and to compete against each other. Yesterday, there was, um, we got our first gold medal yesterday. A 17-year-old from Colorado won the, the snowboarding downhill event, which is a really cool event. It was fun to watch. It's very dramatic. He did not expect to win. And so this he's a little guy. He was like 5'5", five, five, 117 pounds, and um, just totally surprised. It was really fun to watch. So these athletes, they work so hard uh, to get to this highest level of competition. It reminded me of an interview that I saw uh, with a World Cup soccer player a few years ago. World Cup, uh, a similar kind of event. And it was interesting, he was on ESPN, he looked right at the camera and he said, with complete confidence, I was born to play soccer. I was kind of struck by it, not just so much what he said, but just kind of how he said it, like you could tell that he really meant it, 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 like he knew that it was the purpose of his life and it gave him this confidence and it made me think, you know, do, do I feel confident about something like that? What's the purpose of my life? Was I born to do something? Do I have a destiny? We heard the word destiny, and we're like, you know, usually associated with like science fiction films and fantasy books. I mean, but is it a real thing? 
You know, what is my purpose? What would it even feel like to know? Would it give me confidence and meaning? I think these are really interesting questions. And I think that every person asks these questions at some part in their life, which is evidence that there's some truth to them. But I don't also want you to be confused by these questions. Christians are not fatalists. We don't believe that our lives are predetermined in every detail. The Bible teaches that God has a plan for our lives, but we also have lots of choices to make. And so every day, we get to choose whether we want to follow God with our life or whether we want to live life for ourselves. And whenever we decide to follow God to the best of our ability and with all of our heart, God promises that he will direct our path according to his purpose for our life. Uh, King Solomon probably said it best in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. He writes, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Yet we still have this question, don't we? What is that path? What does it look like? How am I to know what God's plan is for my life? So Pastor Ross told me that you're going to begin a new sermon series on the written prayers in Scripture. Not all of them, because there's lots of them, but some of them. And it's a series you're calling First Things First. I think prayer ought to be first in our lives. Our relationship with God is supposed to be first. Um, we, when we pray, we pray, we pray about the things that are most important to us. And we see this in the example of Jesus. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, it said that Jesus, it was his habit. He would get up early in the morning. While it was still dark, he would leave the house, go off to a solitary place, and pray. And the disciples knew this, and they wondered what Jesus prayed about. In Luke chapter 11, they asked Jesus to teach them to pray because they were envious of what they saw, and they wanted that in their own life. And then you look at the apostles, and like Paul's letters and and the other writers, and they wrote prayers in their letters. And so I thought perhaps the best way to start a series like this was looking at the prayer of Jesus himself. And so in John 17, we have written for us the, uh, the prayer that Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane just moments before he was arrested and crucified. He went out to pray with Peter, James, and John, who famously fell asleep during that time, and he... Jesus woke them up, but I guess they were awake long enough for John to overhear much of Jesus' prayer, and he wrote it down for us. And we learn a lot about about Jesus from this prayer, because Jesus bears his soul. We see what Jesus understood about himself. He prays for his purpose, and for his life, and for his mission. And then remarkably, he also prays for us. And so this prayer also teaches us about who we are. And it teaches us about our purpose in life and our mission in life. And so as we read it together, I want to ask these three questions of the text. What does Jesus pray about his mission? What does Jesus pray about his followers? And what does Jesus pray about his followers' mission? Listen, I'm going to read the first 10 verses. It's quite long, so we're just going to do the first 10 verses and really look at verses 6 through 10 the most this morning. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. 
For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those who have, you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in the presence, in your presence, with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. They are yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. First question I want to ask about this text is, what does Jesus pray about his mission? Well, first, Jesus understands that he has a mission, that he was sent on a mission from God the Father, and he prays about this. In verses 8 and 18, you can see, he says, um, they, his followers, knew with certainty, Jesus says, that I came from you, that you sent me. In verse 18, he, he prays, as you sent me into the world. Jesus knows he was sent on a mission. Well, what was that mission? Well, Jesus prays about that too. He says in verse 6, I have revealed you. The word reveal here in its original language means to manifest or to display or to embody. So Jesus came not just to talk about God, but to show the world who God is. And Jesus was the most qualified person in history to do this because he was the very son of God. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. The fullness of God was in Jesus. That Jesus was completely God and completely human at the same time. And this is why the prophet Isaiah calls him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Jesus came to display the nature of God to the world. Now, how does he do that practically? Well, just before Jesus prays this prayer in John 17, he has a conversation with his disciples in John 14. And in this conversation, Philip asks a question. Philip says, uh, this is John 14, verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip, after I have been among you such a long time? You know, Jesus and the disciples have been traveling from town to town and spending lots of time together for three years. So Jesus responds this way, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And I love that last line that Jesus said. He said, you've been watching me? Jesus displays the character of God through his actions. And so what do we see Jesus do? Well, he, he treats people with kindness and respect no matter who they are. He cared for people who were poor and vulnerable. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. And in all these things, he demonstrates the heart and character of God. When we watch Jesus, we know what God is like and what the Old Testament said God was like. Like Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. It says that the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord does good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And this is the way that Jesus acted. And so we know it's true. And also Jesus says that he spoke the words of God. When he prays in verse 8, he says, For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. When he was speaking to Philip, he said, The words I say I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So Jesus does actions to show us who God is. He speaks the words of God. And then I think, most importantly, Jesus reveals God through his work on the cross. And we remember when we read this prayer in John 17, it's just moments before he is arrested and taken to be crucified. So Jesus is preparing himself to die on the cross. And the, the scripture tells us that that this is the ultimate example of the character of God. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so Jesus prays about his mission. Well, what do we learn from that? Well, we learn that God desires for people to know him. And he sent Jesus into the world for that purpose. It's a famous English pastor named Marcus Rainsford who once said, Ignorance of God is our ruin, but knowledge of God is our salvation. And this is a critical point. God wants us to know who he is so that we would believe in him and have a relationship with him. And this is, what Jesus, this is important to Jesus. He prays about this. Verse 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. So Jesus is particularly speaking to people who believe in him. I mean, God wants the whole world to know who he is. And certainly Jesus comes to tell everyone who God is. But knowledge of God only really makes a difference in people who believe in him. In verse 3, in, in this prayer, Jesus says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus is the key to a relationship with God. Do you know Jesus this way? Do you believe in him like this? Jesus prays for his mission. A second question is, what does Jesus pray about his followers? I want to read verses 6 through 10 again, and I want you just to listen specifically to what Jesus says 
about his followers, and I highlighted some of it on the screen here for emphasis. Listen, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. First, Jesus says the people belong to God. Well, every, everything really belongs to God. In Psalm 24, it says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And certainly that includes people because we, we were made in the image of God. But in, in John 17, Jesus also p- prays that believers are a special gift from God to him. Five times in this prayer, he mentions this. That Christians are a gift from God to him. He says it twice in verse 6. He seems fixated on this idea that his followers are a gift from God. When, when my daughter Addie was two years old, it was about this time of year, I remember, because um, uh, near Valentine's Day in the, in the mall, we were walking around. I was... She was kind of walking around. I was watching her, you know. And um, there was this display with a bunch of, like, uh, items on it for Valentine's Day. And she, her eye uh, was fixed on this little bear um, with red hearts. It was a white bear, teddy bear with red hearts all over it. And I saw her looking at it. And um, I knew it wasn't very expensive. So I asked her, hey, Addie, would you like the bear? And you should have seen her eyes light up, you know. Dad, yes, I love, yes, I want the bear. So for $12, how could I resist? So I buy her this bear. Now, as soon as this happens, this thing becomes her most prized possession in the world. Like, she takes it everywhere with her. It's like always under her arm, inside, outside. I mean, the thing, you know, eventually it gets dirty and everything, you know, because she takes it everywhere with her. She would sit it in her, her high chair with her when she was eating. She would stuff it into her car seat and her seatbelt, you know, and she took it everywhere. And, um, you know, if, if the bear went missing, you know, for five minutes, it was like the world ended, you know, we had to look, look all over for this thing. And, um, I, you know, why did she like it so much? Well, she had a special name for this bear, and this is why it sticks in my mind, right? She, she called the bear the bear that daddy gave me. Right? They didn't have a name, so it's just like, what are you looking for, honey? I'm looking for the bear that daddy gave me. That was the name of the thing. So, I, of course, every time she said that, it's like my heart melted, you know? Um, and, and eventually, like, she lost it, and we tried to replace it with another one that looked the same. And, of course, if you're a parent, you know that never works, you know? And then, and then her affections eventually turned over to other things. Uh, she had a stuffed sheep for a while that she, she loved. But I will always remember the bear that daddy gave me, Right? But don't you see this is what Jesus thinks of you? You are amazingly loved by Jesus. He adores you. I mean, in this prayer, look how he gushes about you. He 
He says, they accepted the words you gave me. They knew with certainty that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. Jesus loves his disciples. He loves all of us who believe in him. And it's not because we're perfect people. I mean, the disciples weren't perfect people. They made mistakes in the Gospels. We read about them. We see Jesus getting frustrated with them. We make mistakes too. Even the best of us make the biggest mistakes. We don't perfectly believe in him. We don't perfectly follow what he says. But the fact that we believe in Jesus at all proves that we are his. The fact that we want to obey his words at all proves that we are his. And he loves us. You are a gift from God to Jesus and he loves you. And you understand what this means for you? When Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, I will be with you always to the end of the age, we know he means it because he loves us. When Jesus says, whatever you ask for in my name, I will give it to you. When Jesus says, I am going to heaven and I will prepare a place for you so that you will be with me where I am, we know these things are true. Why? Because he loves us. God gave us as a gift to Jesus. And you know what? At the same time, God gave Jesus as a gift to us. And this is true for you if you believe in him. So in this prayer, Jesus prays about things that are so important to him. And he prays about his mission. And he prays about his followers. And then we can ask this question, what does Jesus pray about his followers' mission? Well, first he says that he sends us on a mission. In verse 18 he writes, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So just like God sends Jesus on a mission, Jesus sends us on a mission. In other words, you were saved for a purpose. There's a reason that you believe. You have faith in Jesus because he has something for you to do. I mean, just prior to this prayer, Jesus was having this discussion with his disciples, and so we see in John 15, verse 16, he says this to them. He says, you did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit Fruit that would last. In other words, just like a tree, a healthy tree, produces good fruit like apples and oranges and so forth, we, as followers of Christ, are meant to go and do good works that he has prepared for us to do. That is our purpose. And it's the same as his purpose. He says, just as you sent me into the world, God, I have sent them into the world. So Jesus' mission was to reveal the character of God to the world. So it's our job to reveal the character of Jesus to the world. It was Jesus' mission to share the words of God to the world. It is our mission to pass along the message of Jesus to the world. 
just as you sent me into this world, I have sent them. And the very first followers of Jesus did this. in, In the early church, the disciples were called apostles. The word apostle means messenger. They were the messengers of Jesus to cities throughout the ancient world. And then likewise, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, he calls us ambassadors. We carry the message of, the Jesus, of Jesus to the world today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, Paul writes, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his special appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, Be reconciled to God. God had made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then Jesus continues this theme in his prayer. In verse 10, he prays, and glory has come to me through them. The original language, the phrase literally says, I am glorified in them. Now, what does that mean? Like a person's glory is their presence and the presence of their character revealed. This is God's glory when we see God revealed. So Jesus says that he is revealed, his presence is revealed through us. So wherever we go, demonstrating the character of God, we are the presence of Jesus himself in that place. And this is what the church does today. We display the character of Jesus through our actions and we represent the presence of Jesus in our community and in this world. And so the question is, how do you do that? How do do you represent the glory of Jesus in your life? Do you recognize this picture here? It's taken a couple months ago. This is um, wide receiver Marcus Johnson of the Philadelphia Eagles being baptized in a pool, a hotel pool, just before the Carolina football game. And uh, those are his fellow teammates. You can see um, Nick Foles is all the way on the right-hand side. Uh, Carson Wentz is in there. Some of the other uh, uh, Eagles you might might see there. Um, I bring this up. First of all, how fun was it to watch the Eagles win the Super Bowl last week? Holy cow, right? That was so fun. You know, and what a week it's been celebrating that. Um, but I, I bring this up because one of the big stories about this team all year has been the Christian faith of, of several of the players and coaches. It, it has been um, picked up by news outlets, newspaper articles, magazines, um, television news, talking about in unusually positive, right? How refreshing is that? Now, I think there's a reason. It's because these guys... They're not pushy or preachy uh, about their, their faith in Jesus. They're just real and authentic and honest about who they are and what they believe. They don't seem to purposely try to, to use athletics as a platform to get a message across. We don't see any of that. It's just who they are. And then it's demonstrated through their actions. And so, like, this is just an or, like an organic thing that happened in the hotel before they play the Carolina Panthers, and it shows up on Twitter and goes... Um, viral. And um, we see them in the community visiting hospitals, giving large donations to charities, um, you know, uh, participating in social causes. And so in a very positive way, their Christian faith has been portrayed all throughout this whole season. And it's been kind of refreshing. And an interesting example of what we're talking about this morning. 
Hey, I'll show you this next slide too. This is a little advertisement found out um, yesterday that um, offensive lineman Stephen Wisniewski will be sharing his testimony at, at a breakfast event for Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Cairn University here in Langhorne on April 14th. So if you go to um, fcaphilly.org or phillyfca.org, something like that, you can sign up and uh, go and, uh, and, and hear Stephen share his testimony. Um, but the question I ask is, how will you represent Jesus in this world? If you go to the next slide, I think we'll have that question. There you go. How do you represent the glory of Jesus? You know, it doesn't work to be pushy or preachy about our religious beliefs. We all know that. And it's not who we really want to be either. But rather, God expects us to be real and authentic and passionate about our love for him and for people and for this world. Jesus said that everyone will know that we are followers of him by the way that we love each other. So one question is, is, is Restoration Church a place known in this community where people love and care for each other? I hope it is. I mean, how, how are you participating in that? How are you actively serving one another here in this place? I know that I'm, I'm sure that if you ask Pastor Ross, what are more ways that you can serve and share the love of God in this community, he, he'll have some answers for you. But how are you participating? How are you stepping out that way? How are you in your workplace, your business? How do you represent Jesus as a parent with your kids or in your neighborhood or at the local school? What do you feel God calling you to do? Just like God sent Jesus on a mission, Jesus sends you. God sent Jesus into the world fully equipped to accomplish his purpose. Do you think God sends us unequipped to accomplish our purpose? No, of course not. Jesus gives us everything we need to be his representatives in this world. And what is more, he prays for us. In John 17, before he goes to the cross, he prays for us. He is praying for us right now. In Hebrews Chapter 7, verse 25, it says that Jesus lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you now in the presence of the Father? In verse 9, Jesus says, I pray for them. What might he pray about us today? They will get in trouble because this world is filled with trouble, so I pray for them. They are prone to be selfish and do hurtful things to each other, so I pray for them. They sometimes think they are weak and worthless, so I pray for them. Satan wants to attack them and trip them up, so I pray for them. They are tired, stressed out, and beaten up by life, so I pray for them. They are needy, but I understand what it's like to be human, so I pray for them. They sometimes forget to pray for themselves, so I pray for them. Jesus loves you. He prays for you. He has equipped you to accomplish the good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. And so whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if serving the Lord. And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, for this is what you were born to do. Will you pray with me?
Jesus, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for loving us so much that you uh, died on the cross for us. You paid that, that penalty for sin that, that we deserved. And uh, you made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. Forgive us, Lord, for the things that we do wrong. We believe in you. And so we thank you just for loving us. And we ask, Lord, that, um, that you would help us to love others, that your love would inspire us to love others the same way that you loved us. And so others may also hear about you and place their faith in you and, and have a relationship with you that you love so much. So thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us and help us to be um, and, and fulfill the, the life that, that, that you want us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think we're done. So I would just ask you to stand and I'll send you off with a benediction. How's that? So why don't you stand? As you go out today and this week, be reminded of God's great love for you, that he prays for you, and go inspired by that and sharing love freely and generously to everyone that you meet. Go in peace.